Thank you for joining Lighthouse Christian Temple this morning. We are located at 8201 Oak Pearsall Road in San Antonio, Texas. You can find us online at lighthousechristiantemple.org. We pray that today's word is edifying and that you become encouraged to share what you have learned. God bless you and your family. Now let's get ready for the good news. So, today our title is called The King is Coming. The King is Coming. We're going to do a little bit of reading today, but before we get into reading, and, and I, well, my, my reading more than what we usually do, and that's okay, because I know that you guys are ready to have the truth, right? And the truth comes from the Word. If I'm not saying in the Word, then there might be a problem there. We should always go back to the Word. We should always measure what the person is saying to what the Word is saying. So I figured I could be in line if I stay in the Word there and not kind of veer off or anything like that. And I might. And y'all can say, hey man, keep track. Keep track, keep track. Alright, so... We're going to be talking about a king named Jehu. But first, I've got to give you the history. So I'm going to give you the history of what's going on. So during this time, in this particular part of the Bible, we are in, we're going to be in 2 Kings. King Ahab reigned in Israel for 21 years. 21 years. Now, King Ahab married a Phoenician princess named Jezebel. Now, if y'all know about Jezebel, y'all know that she was a murderer. She was a prostitute for other gods. Her dad was actually a priest for Baal. He was a priest for Baal. And so before he became king, he was actually worshiping Baal. So that's what she grew up in. That's all she knew was to worship Baal and Asherah. In fact... In 1 Kings, she has an encounter with the prophet Elijah. Uh, and maybe that's why she had that encounter with him. Because that's all she knew. The God of Israel, she didn't know to be real. So she fought against that. She fought against that. And then she has a long history, Jezebel, of killing prophets of God. Prophets of the God of Israel. So she would kill for any reason. She would kill for any reason. She did as she pleased. She was ruthless. We talk about thug life. <coughs> Jezebel was thug life. I don't think she had thug life tatted on her chest, but she definitely had, had it on her heart. So her influence was detrimental to the identity of Israel. Unfortunately, this was the way it was for Israel. This is all they knew. Think about it. Ahab marries Jezebel. He's king for 21 years. The things that he was doing, the things that she was doing, was all they knew. This was something that was their identity. So, so instant, not instantly, but through time, they start to go back to, you know what, I need to do whatever helps me, whatever pleases me. I need to do it. That's going to be my satisfaction. That's going to help me get where I want to go. This detestable rulership, the sin, uh, was all they knew. For close to 80 years. So King Ahab was king for 21. But if you read Kings. 1st Kings and 2nd Kings. You come to know that. Man they had a lot of bad kings. A lot of bad kings. Going through there. And this was a trickle down. To all of the people of Israel. 
So all of the people saw these leaders. They saw them doing whatever they wanted to. They saw them serving other gods. Well, guess what the people were going to do? The people are going to serve other gods. It became the identity of the nation. And it was detrimental to that identity. So they had no understanding of what peace really looks like. Peace to them was getting whatever they wanted. So I'll ask you, does that sound kind of familiar? The world gives you a worldview of freedom. And so everyone in the United States thinks that this is what freedom looks like. Why? Because the leadership has given that identity to where we are. So now, we start to get into what Pastor Bob was talking about. And we start saying, leave well enough alone. This is freedom. I live in the great USA. I live in America. This is freedom. That worldview, until you come to Christ, is wrong. But it wants to change your identity. It wants to change your psyche. So your psyche starts to think that that's what it looks like. Red, white, and blue. I have people go to another country and plead for this place. We are free. If that's the only freedom you want to know, then you're missing the point. You're missing the point. So I'm going to bring it down in, in, this, in, this, uh, in this lesson a little bit. Let's take it and let's magnify homes. Growing up in your home, arguing with your brother and sister, hearing your dad and your mom argue all the time, hearing arguments all around you, that causes us as kids, when we were kids, to think that that's what it looks like. This is okay. This happens everywhere. This happens in every home. Every home has a father that leaves. Every home has a mother that leaves. Every home has, a, has everybody that just drinks until they're drunk on Friday. This is what it looks like. This is really what it looks like. Or friends that talk down to you. Or parents that talk down to you. Parents that told you you're never going to amount to nothing. Parents that told you you're going to be just like your father. You're going to be just like your dad. He walked out on me. He was just like that. You're going to be like that. You're dumb. You're stupid. You're fat. You're not going to make it. And what happens? It slowly seeps into our psyche. We start to become worried about that. It creates an anxiety. And we start to think that that's who we are, even though we're trying to run away from what they made us think we are. That's what the world does. That's what the world does. This is some things that Israel, on a wide scope, was saying, this is what it looks like. Like Pastor Bob says, leave well enough alone. That's what they were doing. You hear, it's okay, you see on movies, people, when people have, get mad, what do they do? They go to the bar, sit at the bar, make you look cool, and have a drink. But it's weird that the world will show you that, it's how to deal with your sorrows, but at the same time, they'll show you go to the bar to have fun and drink. Those two things don't match. But the world shows you, okay, the way to have fun is to drink, and the way to drown your sharp sorrows is to drink. They show you both. The reason why they show you both is as a device to keep you on a one way, away from the truth. Away from the truth. And what it does for us is it desensitizes the, the danger that is in that. It desensitizes the, what that does to our minds. The influence that it has. It desensitizes it. And we start to think, I'm okay. 
I can just go and have one or two drinks. Right? And then it just goes on and on and on. Or I can just go to the, I can go and chill with my friends and have some drinks. The next thing you know, you're going home after a fun night, someone wrecks. Right? Now you're in a bad situation because someone died in the other car. And then you get trapped. And then the family loses you. And then everybody is questioning why. See, that's what the world wants to do. But the sad thing is it becomes normal to us. It becomes normal. It becomes expected. And worse, it becomes accepted. And we start to accept it. For Israel, no one was there to tell them different. Remember, the prophets ran, right? Some of them got killed. Some of them got locked up. The only prophets walking around there were the prophets for Baal. And their service was only to tickle the ear of the queen and the king. So they really weren't hearing anything different unless they were able to get in touch with Elisha. Right? Or one of the prophets that were with him. Which in this story you will know that most of them were away from the kingdom. They were away from the kingdom. So no one was there to tell them different. And like I said, this is a reflection of the world system. The world system wants to suppress the truth. It wants to suppress the truth. To oppress the people by influencing the way they think. So it becomes their behavior. I'll say that again if you're taking notes. The world system wants to suppress the truth, to oppress the people by influencing the way they think so it becomes their behavior. So it becomes their behavior. This is why the church can't be quiet. This is why when you come in here and then you leave out, you have to be able to share the truth. The church has to be the light. The church has to be the example. We have to break the pattern that the world system has created. You guys, the earth, the earth is pure. I might have told you this before, or maybe I told the kids. The earth is pure. The system on the earth is what's corrupted. The system on the earth is what's corrupted. So what does that mean? That means there is a yearning for this to go. This system needs to be demolished. It needs to go. It needs to go. We're going to get into what that means. But all of these systems, I'm going to share them with you right now. And I want you to really think about how these systems affect your psyche. Okay? I share this with the youth. They know exactly what I'm talking about. But these worlds, this, these systems are distractions from the truth. Sports, government, and politics, entertainment, like the movie industry and the music industry, media, man-made religion, those are distractions from knowing the truth and the peace that comes with the relationship with the Lord. And then lifestyle. I don't know about you guys, but lately lifestyle has been all over. You have to accept this. If you don't accept this, you're not, a, you're not a good human being. If you don't accept this, you don't really know what love is. Love is love. If God is love, then you should love me and you should accept me. It's all a device to change your psyche. 
And what it does is it changes the identity that you have in Christ. And it wants you to compromise what you know to be true. Once you compromise one thing that you know to be true, the rest of it that you are living in is no longer aligned with the Spirit of God. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Because that's going to be an important part of what I'm sharing. Does everybody agree that once you decide to compromise one part of the truth, then it questions everything that you're walking in. It doesn't change the truth of God. It just changes who you say that you are. It changes who you say that you are. Does everybody agree? I'm going to hold you to that now. I'm going to hold you to that. So, the history of Jezebel, as we probably have read, is Jezebel took Elijah's peace. Y'all remember, Elijah had just proved the uh, prophets of Baal wrong, right? He called fire down, and fire came down to the altar that he was standing on. His, his, he, had, um, he had challenged them. He wanted them to call, uh, to ask their God to rain fire down. So they're cutting themselves, blood all over the place, yelling out for Baal, yelling out for their God. The only thing left was bloodshed. Why? Because they weren't following God. They were following what they made up or what they know to be true. But here's Elijah saying, I'm going to show you what is true. And so fire, all he does is put water around it. He said, I'm going to need some water because this is going to be a large fire. He puts water around it, puts water on it to show them what's going on. And then he calls for fire. Fire comes down. And guess what? They still did not relent. So you can't say that Jezebel didn't know who the God of Israel was. I'm sure that she heard about that. Why? Because she told Elijah, man, as sure as I am here right now, if I, if you are not dead by tomorrow, then may, may God strike me down. And then Elijah runs. So we know that. We know that Jezebel took Elijah's peace. And then... There's this guy who owned a vineyard in 1 Kings 21. We're not going to go there. Naboth, Naboth, I think is how you say his name. I might say it wrong. He had a vineyard that was passed down to him. All his ancestors owned that vineyard. King Ahab wanted that vineyard. So he goes to him. He says, this vineyard is close to my kingdom. I want to buy it from you. And Naboth says, no, this is passed down to me. Generation to generation, I couldn't, I can't sell this to you. So Ahab goes and throws a fit and has like just a, a what do you call it? A, 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 I forgot what the guy's name from the from Winnie the Pooh is. Uh, Eeyore. He has the Eeyore syndrome, what Sister Lady calls it. And he goes home and then Jezebel sees him. She's like, what are you pouting about? You're the king. Oh, he doesn't want to give me his vineyard. She goes, don't pout. I will make that happen for you. Doesn't that sound evil? <laughs> don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of it. And you know what she does? She sets up Naboth. And he ends up getting stoned to death. So that they can take the vineyard from him. This was the last straw for God. God ends up prophesying about their death. He prophesies about Ahab and Jezebel's death. Because they were just evil. They were doing whatever they wanted to do. And Ahab was being influenced by Jezebel. 
Everybody tracking? That's the history. So now let me set the stage of where we are in the book. King Ahab again was king for 21 years, but he dies by an arrow. The arrow pierced between where his armor was. So he ends up bleeding out and he dies. Alright? It's during a battle. So his son, Joram, becomes king. Joram is king for 11 years. Alright? So if you do the math, you know that the reality is Jezebel is the influencer to the kings for over about 30 years. If her son is now king, who do you think is going to influence him? Jezebel, right? So Jezebel has been using the powers as a queen to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I hope that y'all get that. Alright? So at this point, Joram is king. And we know that Jezebel is just the life. Alright? So we're going to read. Stay with me, okay? 2 Kings 9, 1-13. The prophet Elisha, this is after Elijah. Remember, Elijah had, uh, had chosen Elisha to carry on and be a prophet, right? So the prophet Elisha summoned a man from the company of the prophets and said to him, Tuck your cloak into your belt. Take this flask of oil with you and go to Ramoth Gilead. When you get there, look for Jehu, son of Jehoshaphat. The son of Nimshi. Go to him. Get him away from his companions and take him into an inner room. Then take the flask and pour the oil on his head and declare, This is what the Lord says. I anoint you king over Israel. Then open the door and run. Don't delay. Run. So the young man, the prophet, went to Ramah. When he arrived, he found the army officers sitting together. He says, I have a message for you, commander. He said, for which of us? Asked Jehu. For you, commander, he replied. Jehu got up and went into the house. Then the prophet poured the oil on Jehu's head and declared, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anoint you king over the Lord's uh, people of Israel. You are to destroy the house of Ahab, your master, and I will avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the Lord's servants shed by Jezebel. The whole house of Ahab will perish. I will cut off from Ahab every last male in Israel, slave or free. I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and like the house of Basha, son of Ahijah. As for Jezebel, dogs will devour her on the plot of ground at Jezreel, and no one will bury her. Then he opened the door and ran. When Jehu went out to his fellow officers, one of them asked him, Is everything all right? Why did this madman come to you? You know the man and the sort of things he says, Jehu replied. That's not true, they said. Tell us. And Jehu said, Here's what he told me. This is what the Lord says. I anoint you king over Israel. Check this out. They hurried and took their cloaks and spread them under him on the bare steps. Then they blew the trumpet and shouted, Jehu is king. Jehu was anointed. Right? Everybody with me? He was anointed to be king. All the while there is a king. But God has chosen Jehu. 
Jesus gets baptized. Instantly, the Lord opens up the heavens and says exactly who he is. And then he's taken and tempted, right? After he is tempted, he automatically goes and starts to share his, his message. He goes up to Andrew and he says, follow me. What does Andrew do? He follows him. Nothing, no, no time. Just follows him. I want you to get the parallel of this. Alright? He, Jesus is king. Andrew sees that right off the bat. Jehu is anointed king. And his soldiers automatically put their cloaks down at his feet and says, you're king, let's go. What do we got to do? Right? right? Everybody follow? There's a parallel to this story. So, when Jesus gets baptized, he instantly preaches, repent. What else? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Ahab's kingdom has to be destroyed. In order, if you know kingdom, if you understand the kingdom ways, if there is someone who is anointed outside of the king, that's outside of the family, that's, that, that's part of the king, then that person needs to go and he needs to get rid of everyone. He has to demolish everything because he cannot have an imposter or a person who wants to assassinate him. He needs to change the whole scope of what has been running the kingdom. Oh, you're going to give me in a little bit. You're going to give me a little bit. So let's go to 9, 14 through 19, because I got ahead of myself. 2 Kings. So Jehu, son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, conspired against Joram. Now Joram and all Israel had been defending Ramoth Gilead against um, Hezael, king of Aram. But King Joram had returned to Jezreel to recover from the wounds uh, the Arameans had inflicted on him in the battle with Hezael, king of Aram. Jehu said, if this is the way you feel, don't let anyone slip out of the city to go and tell the news in Jezreel. What he's saying is to his, to his soldiers, he's telling them, look, if you feel like I am king, don't let anyone escape. Don't let anyone escape. If you believe that I am king, then we got to go ahead and get to work. Don't let anyone go anywhere. Then he got into his chariot and rode to Jezreel because Joram was resting there and asked, uh, I start to say Ahaziah, king of Judah, had gone down to see him. When the lookout standing on the tower in Jezreel saw Jehu's troops approach, he called out, I see some troops coming. Get a horseman, Joram ordered. Send him to meet them and ask, do you come in peace? Just pause right there for a second. Okay, I got two more. Go ahead. The horseman rode off, so Joram sends a horseman that's watching, watching over, right? And he sees, uh, he sees Jehu, so he says, send somebody out there. So the horseman rode off to meet Jehu and said, this is what the king says. Do you come in peace? What do you have to do with peace, Jehu replied. Fall in behind me. The lookout reported, the messenger has reached him, but he isn't coming back. <laughs> so the king sent out a second horseman. When he came to them, he said, This is what the king says. Do you come in peace? Jehu replied, What do you have to do with peace? Fall in behind me. All right, stop right there. That's it, right? Yeah. 
So we understand that Jehu is ready to go. He has these awesome soldiers with him, and they're, they're doing business. When he was anointed, he wasted no time, like I said. But when they were telling him, do you come in peace? This is what I want you to capture. Okay? We want Jesus. How many of us want Jesus in our hearts, in our life? Yes, amen. amen? Yes. I'm going to hold you to that now. We say to Jesus, do you come in peace? We're just like those soldiers saying, do you come in peace? Do you know what they were saying? Do you know what the king was trying to say? Are you coming so that you, doesn't, you don't change anything? What are you coming for? Amen. Don't change anything. Lord, I believe in you, but can I have this and have you? I love you, Lord. I believe that you sent your son to die on the cross. I believe it. But can I have this and have you? Can I hold on to this? Can I hold on to sexual immorality? Can I hold on to being with my girlfriend, living with my girlfriend, having sex with my girlfriend? Can I hold on to that and still have you? I'm still Christian, right? I still believe in you. So do you come in peace? Can I have hate in my heart? Can I keep the unforgiveness that I have for my brother or my sister or my friends? Can I, can I still not tell them the truth about you, Lord? Can I keep this jealousy? Can I keep the gossip going? Can I just hold on to that? And have you? There's no gray, right? There's no gray. Do y'all agree? And he tells us, what do you know of peace? What do you know of peace? You don't know peace. Chaos has just become normal to you. Being out of order has become normal to you. And now it's a desire in your heart. So you want to live with your girlfriend or your boyfriend because that's what you come to know. It's okay. But it's not okay. And it's not peace. Lighthouse, things that are out of order, how can it be peace? It's chaos. It's just become normal to you. It's just become normal to us. So he says, what do you know of peace? You're used to your mom and dad fighting. You're used to being told you're nothing. You're used to being a liar. You're okay with being jealous. You're okay with being uh, oppressed, mistreated. But just because it's normal doesn't make it peace. See, the world system and its ruler has to be destroyed. Because what they are doing is they're trying to make this look like peace to you. They're trying to make this, what you're facing, your anxieties, all that, they're trying to make it be like, hey, leave well enough alone. You're good. Come to church, sit in the chair. You're good. Come Sundays and Wednesdays. That's a good pattern for you, right? How many of you know the enemy don't care that you're here every Sunday or Wednesday? He's sitting right next to you. The enemy sees you, and he's like, oh, you're going to go to church? Let's go. All right, man. All right. Go ahead. Let's sit down. Let's sing some songs. Right? And he's like, that's cool. Because when we go home, we're going to hang out. Right? Hey, when we're at home chilling, we're going to really hang out. So come on, come on with me. Let's go 
change in the church today. You had a change, right? So now, go ahead and walk that way. Hold, hold up, where you, well, hold up. That's what the enemy does. Hold up, I'm not. That don't, that's not right. And what you're doing is you're trying to break away. Go ahead, keep trying to break away. And he's like, what are you doing? And it gets harder. And it gets harder. Why? Because your desires of your heart are so used to the order of things here. But you have to break away, break away from me, break away from me. You gotta break away from the enemy. A lot of us are in that place. I tell you, there is a ruler of this kingdom in this world system. Matthew 9:34 says that is the, he is a prince of demons. Ephesians 2 calls Satan the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Again, that's the system that sits on the earth. Side note, there are three heavens. Okay? There are three heavens. What do we mean, Emory? I don't know heaven is what you know everybody's been telling me. Job 35:11 says the air is a heaven. So where we are right now, this is one. The second one is a starry space. That's in Hosea 4:3. And then the seat of God, the Jews call it heaven of heavens, is in 1 Kings 8.27. What I am talking about, and what they are talking about, when he says the ruler of the kingdom of the air is this system that sits on the earth. Everybody follow me? So he says, what do you have to know about peace? Get behind me. Remember he tells the guy, get behind me, and the other guy's like... He went, but he ain't coming back. He's not coming back to us. He stayed with him. One of my favorite stories is Joshua 5, 13 uh, through 15. And uh, this is Joshua's encounter with God at the wall. This really changed me. I, I shared this last time. But the walls of Jericho, um, they, they were massive stone walls. Um, they were, uh, uh, it was a settlement. And these walls were 13 feet tall. And then they had another watchtower that was 28 feet tall. And what they were doing, they were intended to protect the people and protect the water supply that they had from intruders, right? So this wall, even though weapons for hunting, everybody knew about those, this wall is confirmed to be a wall that was created for military purposes. So they knew exactly what they were doing. They knew how to defend themselves. They had weapons that weren't for hunting. This was for battle. This was for battle. Right? So this wall, 28 feet tall, there's 113 and one behind it, 20, 28 feet tall. It's hard to get through this, right? It's hard. Let's go to, uh, did I put Joshua? Uh, yeah, I now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as, for, as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. 
Neither, he says. He says, neither. Joshua tells him, what side are you on? Neither. You need to choose if you're on my side. <laughs> you need to choose if you're going to stand with me. If you're going to stand behind me. You don't know what it looks like. I do. So either you're going to stand behind me, or you're going to be against me. Right? I've already chosen you to be my child. But you have to choose to stand behind me. Or else you're going to be in the way of obliteration. So we're either with him or against him. You either get behind him or you get ran through. There is no in between. There is no in between. You have to make sure that the Lord is your shield. We have to stop playing games. We have to make sure that God is our shield. The Israelites had to let the Lord lead. Let the Lord lead. They didn't touch that wall, that Jericho wall. They didn't have to touch it. KJV says, the KJV translation says that that wall fell flat so that they could walk up on it. When his, when his sword was drawn, it was already done. All he said was, get behind me, we're going to walk over this wall together. That's all he said. If we get behind the Lord, He will make a way for you and I. The Lord has won the battle already. Israel did the right thing by choosing to get behind Him. Why did Israel get behind Him? Because the leader got behind Him. The trickle down gave them success because the leader chose to follow the Lord. If you get behind the Lord, He will go into the place that you uh, were in and change the atmosphere. He will go into the place He chose for you or He will go into the place that you were once in and He will change the atmosphere so that you will be able to know true peace. Because without Him, there is no peace. Amazing things happen. Amazing things happen when we get behind God. Paul decided to get behind our Savior. Paul was on his way to Damascus to do some damage. Got the letter in hand, man. I got this letter. Let me see one of these people walking around. Get locked up. He woke up the giant. Jesus. Jesus appeared in front of him. What did he do? He got down. He got down. He, he called him Lord. But what happened? He was blinded. He was blinded. Sometimes in order for us to see, God has to drop us in the pit so that we can see the truth. Sometimes for us to finally get behind Him, God has to blind us. We have to get to a place where we're so desperate. We can't see, Lord, I can't see what's about to happen. God, I've got to trust you. I've got to trust you. When we say that God can see over the horizon, I want you to picture getting behind the Lord and He has the shield. You can't see beyond the shield, but God can see it. But as long as you're behind Him, you will be able to experience the victory, the clearing that He has for you. You'll be able to see it. Though the shield is blinding because we're behind it, we're being led and protected. Amen. 
2 Kings 9, 20 through 27. I hope that you guys are with me. We're still on Jacob. Alright. So the lookout reported he has reached them, but he isn't coming back either. Because they said two of them, right? The driving is like that of Jehu, son of Nimshi. He drives like a madman. I love that. Some of it says he drives, some translation says he drives furiously. Furiously. So Joram says, hitch up my chariot. And when it was hitched up, Joram, king of Israel, and Ahaziah, king of Judah, rode out, each in his own chariot to meet Jehu. They met him at the plot of ground that had belonged to Naboth. Remember that name? The guy who had that vineyard? The Jezreel. Go ahead. When Joram saw Jehu, he asked, Have you come in peace, Jehu? And Jehu says, How can there be peace as long as all the idolatry and witchcraft of your mother Jezebel abound? Joram turned about and fled, calling out Ahaziah, Treachery, Ahaziah! Right? Then Jehu drew his bow and shot Joram between the shoulders. The arrow pierced his heart and he slumped down in his chariot. Jehu said to Bikar, his chariot officer, pick him up and throw him on the field that belonged to Naboth, the Jezreelite. Remember, he tells Bikar, he's telling Bikar this, remember how you and I were riding together in chariots behind Ahab, his father, when the Lord made this prophecy about him? Yesterday I saw the blood of Naboth and the blood of his sons, declares the Lord, and I will surely make you pay for it on this plot of ground, declares the Lord. Now then, pick him up and throw him on the plot in accordance with the word of the Lord. This guy was on it. Jehu was on it. When Ahaziah, king of Judah, saw that what had happened, he fled up the road to Beth Hagen. Jehu chased him, shouting, kill him too. They wounded him in his chariot on the way up to Gerd near Iblim. I'm saying that right. But he escaped to Megadu and died there. Woo! I don't know if y'all like this story, man, but this story is amazing. They said he's driving like a maniac. Can you imagine what that looks like? He's riding his horse hard. He's riding it because he has a mission. He's drawing nearer to them. And what happened to the soldiers? They drew nearer to him. And once he said, get behind me, what did they do? They got behind him. Because they didn't know what peace actually looked like. When, when uh, Martha lost her brother, and she heard that Jesus was there, she went out to him. She didn't wait. She went out to him. Mary is inside crying with everyone else because to her, to them, that was the end. There was nothing else. They thought that was the end. But as soon as Jesus said, go call Mary, she called Mary and Mary got out of there right away. See, the world thinks that this is the end. One life, that's it. But Jesus calls us out of that place and says, come to me, draw to me, and I'll show you that there is life, that there is peace, that I am the resurrection. Some of us rather stay in the room and cry about what we think is the end. It's not the end. We pray for Israel, we pray for that area, 
Because we know that it's not the end. God is riding furiously there. He is riding furiously there. And everything is coming together. Even through so much sorrow, so much pain, still Mary didn't wait. As soon as she heard that Jesus was calling her, she got up. She got up. How many of you will do that? I was talking about I'll be able to Second Kings 9.30-37 Then Jehu went to Jezreel. When Jezebel heard about it, she painted her eyes, arranged her hair, and looked out of the window. What are you doing? As Jehu entered the gate, she asked, Have you come in peace, Zimri, you murderer of your master? He looked up at the window and called out, Who is on my side? Who? Two or three eunuchs looked down at him. Throw her down, Jehu said. So they threw her down, and some of her blood spattered the wall and the horses as they trampled her underfoot. Her landing was so hard that it that the that the horses were like shocked. They got startled. So they started trampling on her. Jehu went in and ate and drank. Take care of that cursed woman, he said, and bury her, for she was a king's daughter. But when they went out to bury her, they found nothing except her skull, her feet, and her hands. They went back and told Jehu, who said, This is the word of the Lord that he spoke through his servant Elijah, the Tishbite. On the plot of ground at Jezreel, dogs will devour, Jezebel, devour Jezebel's flesh. Jezebel's body will be like refuse on the ground in the plot at Jezreel. What that is, is uh, it's like uh, dumb, like, uh, like poop, like poop, right? That's what it is, right? On the ground in plot uh, at Jezreel. So that, so that no one will be able to say, this is Jezebel. Jezebel comes crashing down. Jehu had to get rid of everybody. But Jezebel, when Jehu showed up, she thought that she could make herself look the part. She was like, let me get dressed up and talk to this dude. She wanted to look acceptable, appealing, above who he was. I'm up here. You know, what are you doing here, killer masters? I don't know how it sounded. <laughs> I just can't imagine like someone just, just you could just see like that. <laughs> the enemy, your flesh, and the world has done the same by using sinful de de uh, desires as its device. They make it seem like this is as good as it gets. They paint it all up. Make it look good. Freedom, red, white, and blue freedom. America is great. This is as good as it gets. You only get one life. Nothing else after USA freedom. Nothing better. Nothing better. In respect to our people that went out and fought for this country, I'm saying, I'm telling you the truth. I have respect for those who said, you know what, I'm going to fight for this country, but I'm telling you that this isn't as good as it gets. Come on, amen. Come on. 
Some young men went over and fought for this country. Some people in here went over and fought for this country. But now you're part of the kingdom. Now you're going to know what you've been fighting for. You're going to be able to experience it. You're going to be able to experience it. But Jesus is coming furiously to change the atmosphere. To give us true peace. Wherever you are or where you used to be, He's here to give you true peace. When Jezebel called him killer of masters, this is where you start to understand that it's a spiritual battle. Why? Why, Henry? What are you talking about? Remember the demons that were in the man that was being tormented? They were legion. It was many of them. As soon as Jesus hit the, hit the dirt, hit the sand, his foot hit the sand. That, that de those demons came running in that man. It's too soon. Don't get rid of us now. What do you want with a son of the most high? They started to identify exactly who he was. That's what Jezebel did. She said, what do you want, killer of masters? That's how you know it's a spiritual battle. I'll tell you why. The Lord is a killer of whatever is mastering you. He is a killer of masters. What is mastering you? He will destroy it. He is a killer of masters. And that's exactly what the enemy, what the flesh is doing in you. It's saying, what do you want here, killer of masters? As soon as you gave your life to the Lord, things happened. And whatever was in that tower started saying, what do you want here, killer of masters? It tried to dress itself up. It tried to say, but you love to go out to drink. But you love to do this. You love to do that. You love that girl, but you don't got to marry her. It's okay. You're, you're legal. Legally in the state of Texas, you're good. You can keep doing what you're doing and have God. It look, look it, it looks good. It feels good. It tastes good. Right? And it's like, wait a minute, starts trying to yank you. What do you want here, killer of masters? The Holy Spirit is now alive in you. If you are with him, you have to drop what is mastering you. The eunuchs, he looked up, he said, who is with me? As soon as they looked out to acknowledge him, he said, drop her down. You have to drop whatever is mastering you. He told Adam in Genesis, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master over it. The only way you will master over it is by submitting to the Lord. Truly submitting to the Lord. Romans 6.6 6 says, I'll let it come. I think this is an important verse. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. It has to be done away with. It has to be done away with. Do you believe that he can change it? Again, do you believe that he can change it? Whatever is mastering you. Whatever is mastering your heart, whatever is mastering your mind, the addiction, the worry, the depression, the pain, the indecisiveness, the oppression, the persecution, the jealousy, the doubt. He has come to drop it on his head, Lighthouse. 
to drop it on its head to where it will not be recognizable anymore. You can't bury it. It's gone. Some of us are burying it. That means we're not truly behind him. You have to give your everything because without him you'll never know peace. You'll only be used to chaos, for chaos. There's a difference. Are you with him? Decide now. You can't hold on to what you've been holding on to and think it's okay. You can't just straight up live with your girlfriend or your boyfriend and say, we're good. I, I go to church every Wednesday and Sunday. I pray. Yeah, but you're still holding on to something that is separating you from the peace that God has for you. It's not okay. Again, thank you for joining us. Our hope is that the word the Lord has given us to share with you truly creates change, not only in your heart, but to anyone you share this with. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. How beautiful are the feet of those that bring the good news. Have a blessed day.